Hello and welcome to another edition of Catfish Corner. I'm Anna Gallegos, um, your Texan turned Tennessean, and I am joined by Paul Scribino. I am the Predators beat writer for the Nashville Tennessean and sometimes helper on the USA Today network for NHL coverage. And I'm talking really quietly for some reason, but I'll talk louder. Um, <laughs> well, since the last time uh, we spoke, it looks like the Preds are on a little bit of a tear. Uh, I would say, yeah, uh, they have won. We're recording this on a Tuesday before mm-hmm. they play the Hurricanes. Uh, so currently, right now, technically, they are on a three-game winning streak, which they haven't done since the end of October, um, which is three and a half months ago. Uh, they still, uh, after they beat the swept the season series from the Blues, uh, beat them back to back this weekend, and they have are four and zero against the defending Stanley Cup champs, who were awesome, awesome sweaters on Sunday. By the way, the blue on blue, I really liked. Um, the Predators wore their Winter Classics again. Oh yeah, I'm super glad that they're adding that to their permanent sweater rotation. I think you know, they, I don't know that they have an alternate, but they if they if they're going to decide to have an alternate, they should definitely probably keep that one. I said mm-hmm. before, I don't I when it, when the, when, the, when it was first unveiled, I didn't like it, and now it's kind of grown on me. I really like the white. Um I really like the, you know, the kind of the story behind it. But anyway, we're not here mm-hmm. to talk about <laughs> wardrobes and fashion uh so much as um since we last talked, the Predators went on Sunday pull with at the time pulled within one point of both wildcard leaders, Calgary. And, uh, I don't even remember who the other one was. Oh, Arizona. Arizona. Um, now we're three points behind both, but here's, here's the thing. The Predators have their, their playoff fate in their own hands with two games in hand on one of those teams and three games in hand on the other. So as we sit here and the Predators go for their fourth straight win tonight, uh, which still would not, pull them into a playoff spot but like i said if you win those games in hand uh you know that's that's the key that's the lottery ticket right there uh, this team looks different and uh, lately i don't know how much yeah. you saw the blues games but it was it was not the same predators we've seen all season yeah i saw the second um part of their back-to-back against the blues and they certainly looked so you missed all the fights on saturday yeah i did <laughs> unfortunately but but, I mean, they certainly look a little bit more, I don't want to say present, but definitely more physical out there. I think, you know, and part of that physicality is a mental game, which John Hines has talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I think he really feel like this team was mentally weak uh, a lot of the, you know, b- before he got here. And I think a lot of the players believe that, too. You know, they would get down and then they would get out and, and, and have a hard time coming back or a hard time keeping leads. Um but you know you can't play St. Louis every game. Uh, you can't have Philip Forsberg, and don't want Philip Forsberg getting into. He got into a second career fight on Saturday, um, and I don't advocate fighting. But it just goes to show you, you know, kind of the intensity that's involved at this time of year. But can the Predators do that against teams that aren't rivals or teams mm-hmm. they don't quote unquote hate? What, what do you do? You, how important is it for them to keep this this fight? This this not necessarily literally speaking, but. Mm-hmm. How important is it for them to kind of play like every game is against the Blues or every game is against the Blackhawks or every game is against the Stars? I mean, they, at this time of year, it seems like they really need to dial it up and they need to keep dialing it up and not go back to the old playing up and down the competition, I guess. Well, that would definitely make for an amazing on-ice product, just you know, going out there, giving it their all, because at, unless you're following the Preds or you are really, really into – um, wild card playoff races, you're probably not exactly watching them right now. And I don't think most people who aren't hardcore Preds fans have noticed that uh, there's 
been a little bit of a change up on the ice in terms of who's playing when? Yeah, there's there's been uh, John Hines has not been shy about sitting some of his best and highest paid players if he doesn't feel like they're performing and not been afraid to play other guys who maybe in the past haven't deserved to play or haven't played as much. Look, Mikel Granlin and Kyle Turris are the lead, since Hines has taken over have played the most minutes among forwards. Um, both of them have been playing averaging two more than two minutes a game more than they were averaging mm-hmm. before. Um, we had uh, we had a few games where a guy like Ryan Johansson, uh, you know, played ten or eleven minutes, which was the least he's played in six or seven years. Uh, the fewest he's played in six or seven years. Um, John Hines has sat Forsberg at times um, when he's not happy with how he's playing. He's in other words, you know, he's the, the paychecks are not going to dictate the playing time with, mm-hmm. with John Hines. John Hines is going to play the players he believes give his team the best chance to win at that time, and. You know, salaries be damned. He he wants to he wants to win, and he want and, and he says, you know, I asked him about that, and he said, I, I don't have a doghouse. Mm-hmm. Everybody's on an equal playing field here, and Kyle's earned the playing time, and Mikhail's earned the playing time, and some of these other guys have not, and so that's how it's going to be. And I you know that's kind of refreshing to see that. Also, I'm interested to see how long that will last. Um, you know, once I think once you're here for a while and you get comfortable. Mm-hmm. You start kind of relying on the same guys, and if the results aren't there, you just keep banging your head against the wall and, and beating the same drum. I do like the fact that, look, it's a time of desperation, and what a desperate times call for. Well, it's certainly paying off for them with both Grandland and Turris getting the game-winning goals against um, the Blues in the last two games. Um, aren't both of them UFAs? So I wonder if uh, how much their playing time is, uh, well, now and the fact that they're producing is well, going to Turris is definitely not a UFA. Turris has a long uh, way to go on his contract, but uh, but, but, Gran- but Granlin is an unrestricted free agent, along with Craig Smith, who also mm-hmm. has been playing at Smith Benino Grimaldi line, um, has been the predator, still the predator's best line, most productive line um, all season, and you know so that you're, you're looking at. But yes, yeah, Smith is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Um, Grimaldi is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Granlin, Granlin is is an interesting one because I really thought that he would be the trade bait at the trade deadline if the, if the Predators were going to sell, and because I just can't imagine at the time mm-hmm. um, I couldn't imagine them paying him what he's going to command next next season. So I thought maybe they'll try to get rid of him and try to get something in return for him besides just you know losing him to free agency. And now that's kind of turned around. He has more goals under Hines, who took over January seventh, than he did under Peter Lavillette, who we played for for you know, almost a full season. So um, it'll be interesting to see the dynamic there and what happens with, with him. But he's really uh, – an interesting thing with him is, he, you know, he was very much a playmaker before, and now he's be- become a goal scorer and not so much setting up other guys. I think he has seven or eight goals and one assist or two assists or something. But So his role has kind of changed a lot and for the better, and it's, and it's helped the Predators a lot. Yeah, he isn't putting up the career highs that he had with the Wild, and I think part of that is due to age – but um, even if the Predators do want to get in on the trade deadline, him just getting more points will, you know, at least make him a, a worthwhile rental for somebody. I, and well, not, I, I don't think and that's that's let's talk about the trade deadline, Anna, because I don't think at this point, I, I don't think the Predators are buyers or sellers. I think they're 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 sticking with what we haveers mm-hmm. and and hoping that. You know the Johansons and the Arvidsons and the Forsbergs and the Duchesnes and 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 those top guys 
start playing like top guys. Um, and I think that that's probably, I'm not saying they won't make a minor move. They mm-hmm. need some help on defense. You know, of course, uh, Ryan Ellis is getting closer to coming back again. It's going to take him a while to get up to speed. So, uh, you know, hopefully for them in time for the playoffs, if, if they make it, but I just can't, um, I, you know, I'm not, I don't think there's going to be a big, you know, there's, there's not a big blockbuster deal to be had, but mm-hmm. there's not, you look at some of these contracts that these guys have and it's not gonna be easy to unload them and and you know quite frankly i don't know that you want to unload a tourist or a granlin when you're trying to make a push for the playoffs so um i I think it might be kind of a boring trade deadline this year and i say that and then tomorrow you know (laughs) roman yossi will get traded and you know the world will explode and i'm just kidding by the way for people who don't know my sense of humor they're not trading roman yossi um but yeah i don't think um and speaking of Roman, we're going to hear from Roman a little bit uh, a little bit later in the show, um, and, and his thoughts on the turnaround and kind of what was going wrong before and what's going going well now. But we'll get to that back to that in a minute. I wanted to also ask you, um, you know, when you look at guys who, what do you think about a coach who comes in and is not afraid to to, or not? I shouldn't say afraid, not hesitant to kind of be objective, and everybody's got a clean slate and 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 kind of going off of what based on what he sees and not what history says I really really like that because I feel like a lot of times when there are coaches that get fired or let go or whatever in the middle of a season whoever comes in on the second half of the season is kind of like on a tryout basis so they're not really comfortable enough in like completely blowing up the team and blowing up the lines just to see what will happen but you know they're trying to they're they're trying to improve but it's very small step and very measured like they're they're on a trial for a full-time job and yeah, and, and and John Hines is not he is a multi-year contract he's not a he's not a, you know a rent uh interim mm-hmm. coach he's not you know <clears throat> a, he doesn't have too much to worry they're going to give him time to figure this out mm-hmm. whether or not the predators make the playoffs this year will have zero impact on whether John Hines will be back next season because John Hines will be back next season so you know you obviously always want to make the playoffs but I, if the Predators don't miss if the, if the Predators miss the playoffs for the first time in, in five or six years um, John Hines will not be on the hot seat and so I think that stability going into next year either way whether they make it or not is going to be important and I think you know we've talked about that before where I think you know the important thing now whether or not this team makes the playoffs is irrelevant to me mm-hmm. I think what's important is developing their an identity under him, understanding the system, understanding what he wants, what his demands are, and, and, and players kind of getting used to, you know, I mean, Peter was here for, for a long time. So it's it's hard to get, you know, it's like getting, when, you, when you're in school and you get a new teacher, right? Like mm-hmm. I had a really cool math teacher. I did really well in math. And then, you know, I got this teacher who's just, I just don't get it. And, you know, sometimes that takes time and it's, it, it, you know, you see where everybody kind of, everything will kind of fall into place and, and, you know, you'll, you'll, it'll get figured out. But, um, yeah, it seems like Hines is just more invested on a personal level with the team because I think prior to Hines being signed on and being declared the permanent guy for the time being, or for, like you said, the next couple of years, there was a lot of questions of like, well, is Poyle just going to try him out? And is he going to like consider bringing in Mike Babcock next season or Gerard Yeah, that, that's and, not, that's, none of that's going to happen. And he went and he found his guy um, mm-hmm. and, you know, and he's going to stick by that. And look, you know, these coaches are hired to be fired eventually. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just kind of the nature of the, of the beast in, this, in, in any sport, really. Um, but 
for now, you have to, you know, I, I think I, I, I'm pretty confident the Predators are willing to give him some time to kind of figure it out. And, and that's the reason why they didn't. I thought it was strange when they when, when they fired Peter. They didn't announce a replacement right away, which told me that mm-hmm. it's not going to be a temporary thing. They, they're they wanting to go out and find somebody who's going to, you know, and, and that helps, too, because it helps with the players. It helps them understand, like, can you imagine if they had an interim coach this year and, like, what do you do? And then you have another new three coaches in the span of six or seven months. I mean. You know, hockey's dynamic enough as it is with guys moving around mm-hmm. lines, and you know, you you have to have some stability there. And I think that, you know it could pay off for them in the end. Um, it's definitely a good sign for anyone who ever thought for a hot second that you know they were going to like blow up the team and have a fire sale. But the, the well, Preds are definitely going for it. Seems like consistency and stability for right now. And and, and speaking of that, uh, I did speak with Roman Yossi earlier today uh, about. You know how things have changed a little bit um, since the coaching change and kind of the mindset of the team. And let's let's take a listen to what he had to say. The, the nature of this up and down season for you guys, what has changed of late that you can that's been noticeable for you? It'll has allow you guys to kind of get on the other side of of the tracks. Um, well, I think if you look at the at two games against St. Louis, we um. I thought we, we the effort levels were really high. I mean, I think in both games, uh, there were two different games. I thought in St. Louis we actually played a better game. And um, here, uh, Pex was awesome. Uh, they, I thought they were the better team for most of the game, but we found a way to win because, like, uh, the effort levels there, we, we like, mentally, I think we're, we're getting better, we're getting stronger mentally, we're pushing back, we're, we're, we're not letting teams have too much momentum. So, um, yeah, I think the things are going the right direction, but uh, at the same time, we're still not in a playoff spot, so we gotta we gotta keep winning. You guys <clears throat> talk a lot about mental fortitude, especially since since John's been here. How much is he? He's kind of made he's made it clear to us that that's his top priority. Is how much has he kind of pushed that on you guys? That the talent's here, but you got to get it together up here. Yeah, he has. He has a lot. I mean, um, I think especially when. Uh, when he came, the first couple games, there's there some games where it was evident to see that uh, we didn't have much pushback. We didn't. Um, there's certain times in games where we played really inconsistent, and I thought the last couple of games our game has been getting more consistent over 60 minutes. And um, I think that's definitely the mental aspect. And um, yeah, like you said, there's there's a lot of talent in this team, but um, we yeah we need to find a way to be mental tough and, and use that talent for 60 minutes. You guys kind of have fate in your own hands in terms of you have games in hand and the teams ahead of you don't mean anything unless you win them. It seems like you guys could be really dangerous if you get to the playoffs. And I say that because you guys seem to play better against the better teams. Like you seem to play up to the competition and sometimes down to the competition. Is that, uh, is that any truth to that? I don't know. You know, like... It's, I feel like in this league, it's uh, every game is so hard. There's so like every team is good. There's no, there's there's not really nights where you like um, where you can take a step down because if you do that, you're gonna lose no matter who you're playing. So um, I think there's um, obviously there's certain matchups like Central Louis. It's it's uh, they're obviously big matchups for us. It's Central Division, but I I think yeah. I mean I think in this league in general, if you you need to find a way to make it to the playoffs, and then I think every team is dangerous. You, you saw the last couple of years; every team, every team can win. There's, it's such a uh, every team is so good in this league. So uh, yeah, the, you have to make it, and I think from then on, every team has a chance to win the cup. Last one: you're having a career year um, in the conversation for the Norris Trophy. Do you? I know you probably don't think about that too much, but 
What does that mean for you, even, for you to even be in the conversation and, and, and having the year that you're having and kind of getting the, not recognition, but, you know, people kind of, they knew who you were before, but you were really kind of having yourself a year this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely, definitely nice to hear your name with, with some of those guys, obviously, and um, um, I'd be lying if that wasn't one of my big dreams to win an Norris Trophy. I think it's, it's everybody's dream, but, um, um, yeah, I mean, it's a... Uh, like I said, the, the main like you trying to win games, uh, you 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 trying to do well as a team, and um, I mean I think as as a player you you want to do as well as you can individually, and uh, you got to set goals for yourself that that will help ultimately help the team, and I think if if everyone plays their best, that uh, the, the team will will play a lot better too. Um, I have one more. Yeah. You you, you signed the contract extension and you and you go out and have yourself a career year, which is you know that says a lot about kind of the player you are. I mean, is it when you guys sign those contracts? Is it hard to not? I guess it's an individual thing, but how does it motivate you? Does it motivate you to want to like, I got to earn this now, or I've made it? Like, how do you look at it? Yeah, um, yeah. Honestly, for myself, it's kind of like that. Um, uh, I think if you sign a contract, a big contract like that, it's. Um, I definitely tell myself I got I got earn it now, and um, but it's not not even just that. I mean, I think as a I don't know as a player, I always looked at I have really high expectations for myself and um doesn't matter if, I, if my contract is one year or, or eight years and whatever it is it doesn't really matter i think um i'm i'm pretty yeah i like i have a like, high expectation i want to get better i want to be the best player i can be like every day and um i think that stuff is kind of on the side for me it's not like my main my main priority thanks for no problem. always good to hear from the captain as they call him and you know, look, Roman's Roman's having a career year. It has to be frustrating for him. Um, you know, he signed up, just signed a big contract. He just extension. He he's on pace to have the best year of his career. He's in the Norris Trophy mm-hmm. uh, consideration conversation, which you know, as you heard, he uh, is very you know a personal goal of his, which hockey players don't like to talk about. But if he's having a good year. Um, and everybody else is doing their jobs. The Predators are in a lot better position mm-hmm. uh, than they are now. Um, so I, I'm interested to see kind of where it goes from here. These last, you know, twenty some games are going to be. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to follow. Yeah, as long as they can play every single game like they're playing against the Blues, or at least just come in with that attitude. Um, on a different topic, on Sunday we, we were kind of talking a little bit before we went on on air here. Uh, I met uh, Willie O'Ree, who was the first <clears throat> NHL, first black hockey player in the NHL. Um, and on Sunday, you know, because it, it's part of the, the hockey, hockey in America, hockey across America week, mm-hmm. and hockey's for everybody month, and mm-hmm. Black History Month. And so they have a mobile uh, black hockey history museum that they had out, uh, out by Bridgestone. It was really cool to go inside. And kind of see the the history, um, you know, but was was even neater. Well, and I didn't know this. Willie O'Ree, um, he was he's blind in his right eye. Oh, really? And he was blind before he got to the NHL, and he hid. Wow. This guy played twenty five, thirty years mm-hmm. of hockey. He only played forty five games over two seasons with the Bruins in the NHL, broke the color barrier. Um, but he was blind. <laughs> which blew my mind. He got hit in the, he got hit in the eye with a puck and it blinded him before he made it to the NHL. Um, a great ambassador for the sport. Um, you know, he's a, he's a hall of famer as he should be. And he's still out, 
you know, preaching the message. He's he's in charge of the, you know, the, he's he's very heavily involved with the NHL and the Hockey mm-hmm. is for Everyone, you know, initiative. And he's he works with kids. I I grew up a baseball fan, and I felt like it was kind of like meeting Jackie Robinson. Oh, really? It was kind of neat to to just hear him talk mm-hmm. um, and, and hear, you know his view and, and, and you know, he shared, you know, I had asked him, you know, some of the challenges that he faced and he said he got into a lot of, back then they didn't wear helmets or, or didn't have very much protection. He said he got into a lot of fights because he had to, because mm-hmm. people were coming at him because of his race and he heard a lot of things that people shouldn't ever hear. Um, but, you know, he's, he's a proud ambassador of the game now and it's, it's great to have kind of a, a that living piece of history, you know, still, out there invisible and and you know just and, and it was funny he scored his first goal like 50 some years ago and he remembered every single every single detail of the goal which mm-hmm. blew my mind but uh yeah i'm pretty sure that's one of those things like your first <coughs> nhl goal just gets like embedded into your brain um i'm really glad that batman and the rest of the nhl has uh, um kind of embraced re especially ex- as he got inducted into the the Hockey Hall of Fame, which he, came way too late, by yeah. the way, but it's it, it happened, so he can't you know mm-hmm. I mean, you he, can't go back in time and um, correct that. But at least he is officially a Hall of Famer now. But you know, in light in the last couple of months about some of like the less than perfect racial incidents that have been happening in locker rooms and that have been coming to light, that it's great to see, like you said, living history being an active part of. the not so much the on ice game now, but being an active part of hockey in general. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have a hockey is for everybody um, slogan and campaign, then it really has to be inclusive. And I, I'll tell you a quick side note. I worked when I was at the Chicago Tribune. I worked with the, with a Blackhawks beat writer who was gay, and he had heard a. I'm trying to remember the story accurately, but there was there was something about one of the players had had you know there was some kind of a, a sexual slur, mm-hmm. um, and the player later apologized and and you know kind of there was some some tension you know and I I'm always I'm curious I'm always curious you know to I grew up in a very diverse neighborhood and and, and I grew up in a trailer park to be actually to be honest with you and. Uh, the early part of my childhood, and I, so I was around a lot of different ethnicities, a lot of different religions, a lot of different races, and mm-hmm. it just became normal to me. Like I, I just I don't understand, like why do you care if I put ketchup on my hot dog? Why do you care, you know, what my sexual mm-hmm. preferences are or anything like that? But to understand some of the things that that that, for instance, in media, what what women face on social media, and some of the some of the things that you hear, the horror stories that it's awful same same thing goes with you know with with gay people or with with black people or mm-hmm. people who you know women i i try to get, understand that but the point being that you know if if hockey is going to be for everyone you have to mean it and 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 the people who kind of and and willie o'ree is a person who's mm-hmm. helped make that a reality yeah and and sacrificed a lot to kind of get things to where they are today, help get things to where they are today. I have to give a shout out to um, one like grassroots organization, especially since they got mentioned on NBC during the um, uh, broadcast, I think was, no, wait, it was during the devil's broadcast. Sorry about that. Um, uh, It's um, black girls in hockey. It's this organization formed by like two black women who just happen to really enjoy watching the game. I mean, like they're not, 
in any way professional athletes or would never play on like Team USA, but they're just women who love the game and they want to, you know, bring other women that look like them or other women of color to be like, hey, you know, you can have a beer and watch this game too just because it's a whole bunch of like white dudes on ice. That doesn't mean you can't be a fan or you can't actually like go to the stadium where you're sweating, you know, cheer on your favorite player. And that's that's really, really awesome because as um, people obviously can't see me right now, but I'm a Hispanic woman and obviously you don't see a lot of Hispanics in in hockey. And so when you don't see anyone that looks like you on the ice, you can feel a little like, out of place or uncomfortable or, or yeah, yeah I, and that's something that I don't as a, as a as a white male I don't I've never experienced mm-hmm. those feelings and I've only had people describe them to me and I certainly can be you know I, I try to to be um, not I don't want to say compa- I, I I try to be understanding yeah. of it, but I'll never try to pretend like I know what yeah. how it feels right mm-hmm. like I just I can't I can't put myself in your place or you know in in, in Willie O'Ree's place or PK Subban's place you know some of the things mm-hmm. that that you, you know people hear and yeah you know what. Sometimes it's just words, but you know what? Words are very, very powerful, and words resonate, and, and that goes to both mm-hmm. extremes. And look, you know, it's like I use the I use the I'm from Chicago, and it's like a to sin to put ketchup on ketchup on a hot dog. I, I've never one time looked at somebody's plate or looked at. It's a and looked and said, "Oh, I don't know why they're eating that that way." Like I don't care. Like mm-hmm. I don't care who your boyfriend or girlfriend is. I don't care, you know, where you come from. I do care. I do care where you come from and all that. But I because I, I want to learn, not because uh-huh. I want to judge you. And I just I I just don't understand, you know, just like I can't understand where you're coming from. It's hard for people to understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Or I just I don't understand the racism and the bigotry and the sexism. I I I honestly. I'm not sure, and it's my. I'm glad to be naive about it. Like I really am, because I just don't understand it. And you know, I'm not perfect by any means, and, mm-hmm. and none of us are. But you, you know, at, at the end of the day, why? Why do you care? You know, these people who are out there judging and, and saying these things and making these remarks. Why do you? Why do you care so much yeah, about it, that? Like it. It's one of those. It when you think about it, it's just insane, and it literally makes no sense. But. On the flip side, the fact that the NHL and really hockey in general is going out of its way to make people comfortable. I mean, not only is it like awesome that, you know, you can watch the game with someone that looks like you or someone who doesn't look like you, but someone that just understands who you are and where you're coming from and isn't going to judge you about it, like isn't going to say something nasty to you just because, you know, you like got a player's name wrong or you know you don't know all the stats but the the locker room culture in sports over the years has gotten better i think Mm -hmm. um but and it's and sometimes it's been toxic but i will say this about locker rooms i've been in in major league baseball and you know college and and the nhl and nba nfl you you will not walk into a place that is less I mean, there are a lot of different people, especially walking into an in 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 NFL locker room. There are people from everywhere, every race, every religion, every, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there is within the walls of, and I wish society, I wish society could take this from inside locker rooms. For the most part, like it is the most inclusive place. Like people are not, you know, there's black guys sitting next to white guys, sitting next to mm-hmm. Hispanic guys, sitting next to Indian guys, sitting next to, you know the nerds and the, and the, and the <laughs> smart guys and, the, and they, you know what, they are t- together and none of them, you know, they're in this, this sanctuary and, and it's a little world, a little world, but in that little world, I don't ever sense any sort of judgment about anything mm-hmm. um, 
aside from maybe sexuality, I think that's that's you know we're kind of getting down a different road here. But yeah, you know there hasn't been an openly gay professional athlete who's played you yeah know, while wh- right, actively right. their sport. Um, but believe me, they they, they exist. Mm-hmm. You know, just like it, it's just not hasn't been. It's not to the forefront yet. It's not you know for whatever reason the site isn't ready for that. I don't know what it is, but you know, it, my point is that locker rooms for the most part, you know, aside from that, from what I have seen are people feel comfortable in Mm -hmm. them, you know, and there's a lot of different kind of people who feel comfortable around each other. And it's exactly to your point. Like why can't, if, if your friend down the street doesn't look like you and wants to watch hockey with you or likes hockey or likes baseball, what? Yeah. Just invite them over. Go for it, man. You know, know, don't, don't, that's, that's my point. But anyway, we got off the rails a little bit, (laughs) which is fine. Um, Players have a big game and every game is a big game, Uh, but another big game tonight against hurricanes. Um, I'm heading back home to Chicago for a few days and they're going to play the Blackhawks. Uh, Should be another intense game. And, and, um, but for now, That'll do it for this edition of the Catfish Corner. By the way, there have been a few catfish being thrown on the ice oh, too lately yeah. again. People are um, getting real excited. Keep on carrying that <laughs> until the playoffs. I don't know if you ever smell the catfish, dead catfish, but I walked in the arena, I think it was a season opener this year, and it was awful. I don't know where the guy was hiding it. I didn't want to ask him, but it, it didn't smell good. Anyway, we hope you'll subscribe to the Tennessean.com if you haven't already. And remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcast. Drop us a review and a rating while you're at it, if you don't mind. And for Anna Gallegos, I'm still Paul Scarbina, and we will talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.